All right, so we're back with another one of these uh, bonus jerk episodes. And with me today, I got uh, Scott Hamilton from the Effects Loop Podcast. Say hi, Scott. Hi, Scott. <laughs> Great, Scott. Um, so if any of you are unfamiliar with uh, Scott, uh, he's uh, one of three people on the Effects Loop Podcast. I have uh, been on your podcast twice already. I've been bugging you guys and I feel like really needed to have uh, at least one of you guys on to do one of these uh, with me. So, thank you so much. And yeah, I drew the short straw, so... Yeah. Ta-da. <laughs> I have to get uh, Chris and Diaz back, uh, you know, on here to do something. But, uh, you know, in case people don't know who you are or un- are unfamiliar, uh, what's a little bit about yourself and maybe the effects loop and what's, a, what's it all about? Yeah, so uh, pod- the podcast is a weekly podcast. We come out every Wednesday. Uh, we try to have a format that stays fairly similar. Um trying to cover mostly just here's what's new coming out and then we cover a topic. Um, and so that content kind of self generates itself, which is nice. We don't have to usually, you know, scrounge around and try to figure out what we're talking about. It, it's kind of, it's always there and there's always new stuff. Even, even right now we're still finding, you know, six or seven news topics to talk about. Um, and then, uh, then a, a large amount of off topic rambling and nonsense interjected throughout because, None of us can pay attention for longer than 30 seconds to anything. So, <laughs> yeah, just, you know, friends, friends talking about, you know, guitars and shit like that. You know, yeah. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. I mean, that's the thing. Like, uh, Diaz, Chris and I have known each other now for a couple of years. And, you know, th- this kind of came out of uh, us all going to Summer Nam one year and, you know, just kind of developing a friendship now that we met, actually met in person. And because Diaz is in Knoxville, Tennessee area. I'm in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Chris was living in Memphis. He's now living in Denver. And so we've always been this remote show. And it's just, it's been fun for me because, like, you know, we keep these friend we've kept this friendship alive and developed kind of a unique friendship through this that uh, I don't really have. Like, outside, mm-hmm. it's not like I don't have friends, but it's like <laughs> I don't have friends in Chicago that really want to talk to me about guitars. So, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm going out there and finding them on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. So, um, it, it, it's it's fun. It lets me explore that side of me and then kind of put it away for the rest of the week so no one has to hear about this new yeah. humbucker <laughs> I'm thinking about replacing this other humbucker with and blah, 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 blah. Because so. you would just like bore the shit out of somebody, like your your buddies. You know, Probably. Like, uh, it's sick, man. Where did you like, you bring it up on the podcast? I'm like, all right, let's discuss this. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, you kind of mentioned, um, you know, st- starting the podcast from, uh, you know, meeting these guys. Um, what was you know, the driving force or kind of the aha moment of wanting to start a podcast. Maybe that's something I, I'm, I'm kind of like, it's kind of a, a hack question <laughs> to ask yeah, other I, podcasters, I but I've kind of like, yeah, everybody has a unique story. Well, so the funny part is it's kind of where the effects loop is kind of a reboot, um, mm-hmm. where we rebranded and, and junk. Um, Chris used to do the online demo thing. Uh, he had this podcast they had called Carter's talk tone. Yes, that I he did, that, yeah. uh, and he did a number of demo videos, and, and that channel's still alive and out there. Um, I think I was uh, I was gear shopping, and I was <laughs> like looking up. I was just seeing who was reviewed this one product I was looking at, uh, and Chris's was like the top of the list. And I was just like, I said, we have a private chat that we have, and I was just like, man, I've been looking at this, but man, this review by this clown just totally sucks. Let's <laughs> just like sharing it and just giving him grief. Um, so yeah, so Chris Chris kind of started. He kind of burned out. I mean, I I don't think it's it's uh doing something by yourself is tough. Uh, yeah, especially if having like, yeah like the, no the, crew, you know. 
Yeah, and having like that regularity, and you need you need the structure of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he was rebooting it, him he's like, all right, I need someone with like a personality, which Diaz fits in. And then Diaz responded back with like, I I I think we need someone who actually knows what they're talking about when we get into like technical things. Yeah. And they just both went Scott, and so yeah. that's <laughs> I I'm the well actually guy. I think is kind of what the role <laughs> yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Um, but yeah, and so we we take turns sharing in various roles and spread out the work so one person doesn't do everything and get burnt mm-hmm. out. So it's it's been nice. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. It's it's something like, and then it's obviously you know developed over the years of like oh, getting more familiar with it, kind of getting into the groove of the show and stuff like that. Definitely dig it. Oh, dude, fun, we're on like, like autopilot at this point. It's it's great. Yeah, it's a fun like kind of like uh, weekly like look at like Gear World and stuff like that, and you know it, that sh- shit can get pretty fucking stale if you don't have like personalities and kind of like some banter along with it. So definitely, you guys got it going on, you know. Yeah, I mean the thing we we keep hanging into whether a hot dog is a sandwich or not that that seems to come up a lot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I I think DS will go to his grave, uh, defending his argument, and I will go to my grave poking him because he pisses him off so much so this will be the end of us <laughs> yeah yeah so that's the show um i mean outside of that i mean the the other reality is uh all three of us are praise and worship guitar players so you mm-hmm. have that kind of bend but we don't want to just we don't want to be pigeonholed that way it's just yeah. that's the reality yeah. that's where i play guitar is i go to one of the bigger churches in chicago and i play guitar there and so there's just that world you know yeah has that always been uh or has that been uh, playing situation of yours for years has have you always been a play, praise and worship guy or is it kind of like something you've stri- you know, you've been striving for to do uh to be honest that's how i learned um mm-hmm. i went to a christian school growing up and so we had like wing sings or uh which is basically just i went to it's a small school so you have like the fourth fifth sixth grade wing the yeah. you know that and so they call them wing sings when you get together and you sing songs uh so i don't know starting in like eighth grade i started uh, that's when i bought my squire and uh started playing and i learned playing that type of uh praise and worship of that era music because it was pretty small chord vocabulary you only need to know about five chords to play most church music um it's kind of kind of like punk rock too yeah (laughs) it's like punk Uh, rock with uh, less distortion and more (laughs) reverb (laughs) a lot more reverb uh (laughs) yeah yeah so i mean that's that's where i learned and so there's always been a part of my heart that's there um and as, frankly if we think about that from uh eighth grade was 2001 was when i graduated so from eighth grade so from literally 19 years ago to now that genre has evolved and just kind of become its own sound yeah, yeah before it was very emulating kind of just soft rock at the era um which i guess it still is but um it, it has its own sound and culture and vibe now that is out there so there is a lot more to dive into than there used to be. It's a lot more gear conscious now than it ever was. Yeah. So no, definitely like, I think I never thought of praise and worship. I think I was always thinking of like Christian, Christian, like friendly bands and Christian rock. So mm-hmm. I think of like Reliant K or MXPX or, I mean, not a huge fan of them, but like POD just cause they're San Diego, you know? And then yeah, I mean, I, like, oh, I, always, I, that's I grew what up I listening thought. to that stuff, but like, I, I would not say those are, for me personally, big ref, like the big references to what I listen to, mm-hmm. um, like I've been a huge John Mayer fan for years and years and years, and so I would say that's sort of the, you know, the Fender Fender amp Strat sound is just that's that's where I like to go. 
And as his sound has changed and grown over the years, I've I found areas that I like of it. And now mm-hmm. you're starting to see the sort of that second generation now that grew up listening to John Mayer. Now they're doing their thing. Yeah. Um. So and they're just killing it. So you have like Mateus Asado and those kind of guys, and the everyone, all of them will be like John Mayer. You know, that's that's where their their love came from. So mm-hmm. that's sort of the the fun duality of like the modern praise and worship guys is you have the John Mayer guys who just are obsessed. And then you have the guys who grew up listening to blink One Eighty Two and, uh, mm-hmm. angels and airwaves. And like, that's like their biggest, uh, inspirations. So yeah, it's just kind of funny uh, how that's no, totally. the melding now. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask like, uh, do you th- like, like, cause I know like uh, praise and worship is something that you do and you, uh, play on a weekly basis. I'm assuming, uh, maybe not at the moment, but um <laughs> yeah, you know right <laughs> like is that um and you know you had already mentioned that that's kind of how you've learned how to play guitar is that how you describe your style as you're a praise and worship guitarist or is that like you're listening what you're listening to as well or is that like um i would not say that's how i play when you know if you give me the opportunity to write something it's not it doesn't sound like praise and worship music mm-hmm. um i draw from my different ins- influences or where my you know the kind of chords i go to and things like that there's you know, it, it's grounded in some really early John Mayer kind of chord shapes that he would use. Um, and I've, I've really loved singer-songwriter music for a long time. And so mm-hmm. guys like uh, like James Bay's first album, that kind of stuff comes out a lot of me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I have my like ambient post-rocky stuff that I like too. I love Thrice. I love, um, you know, the, I, I'm all over the place in some way. So it, it's kind of a melding. But yeah. I would not say, uh, you know... Slap on a ton of reverb and play three notes of the major scale up and down. That's um, what I'm going to do all day. <laughs> that's not what I'm going to be doing. No, I'm I'm doing, yeah. I try to do more of a, here's my chord bass and then there's a melody that flows between these two chords and that's how I move. And I, you know, that it's hard to describe without actually just being like, hey, here's a guitar and what I'm doing. But yeah, that's kind of what I'm playing. Yeah. I uh, would like to say that I'm more uh, open or at least as, uh, I don't know as far as my own playing style is like a comparable to what I like to listen to or like how eclectic I like to think my listening or what I listen to as far as music goes is more eclectic than what I can play. But mm-hmm. I like, damn, some of that stuff. I'm like, I just am so stuck in my own. I'm practicing and I'm trying to get better, but I'm like, <laughs> it is just stuck in punk rock and rock and roll, probably less rock and roll. It just, I'm like, of oh, chords. I can, I'm there, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I can play faster and strum the chords faster, and then I can do some lead lines, and I'm getting better at my bends and blues and shit like that. But I'm like, I will listen to like prog and metal and stuff like that with different time signatures. When I'm in the moment, like listening to it, it's not a problem. But when I have to think of like even three four for me, that's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I, I shouldn't start talking to you about six eight then, should I? I that's like the same thing, right? No. <laughs> okay, isn't it like? <laughs> it's like okay well then what's quickly what's the difference <laughs> all right so you, you count one two three with an accent on the one right so it's one yeah. two three one two three one two three uh-huh um you actually count six eight in what's called a duple meter so it's actually you could technically count six eight as one two one two so it would go one two three four five six one two three four five six you feel yeah. that kind of vibe yeah i i, I would just think i'm like can you speed it up and slow it down? It's like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, 
I don't know. It, I'm still. <laughs> I, so I, I play with a click a lot. And so we mm-hmm. have a little, we call her Betty, the little voice that I have a MIDI controller map to. So I can actually say like intro two, three, four, you know, and I can map that out. So people will go, okay, this is when we, this is when we start or verse or whatever. When mm-hmm. I do a, when I do a six, eight, I will often just do a verse two, three, four. And that's actually two measures of six, eight. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just easier to map it that way for people. Yeah. Um, cause, cause if I go first, two, three, four, five, six, people are like, just... <laughs> and you're, uh, at, at church, you're playing, uh, with in-ears and, uh, everything, right? The whole uh, in-ears. Uh, absolutely. Um, I, I learned to like it. I know yeah. some people don't. I, when I was using amps, um, I am moving away from amps. Uh, but, uh, when I was using amps, I had two amps in a closet remote, you know, and, that let the stage be nice and quiet. Yeah, because the, the goal is to kind of keep it more quiet so that mm-hmm. like anybody in the crowd can hear and not just be blown out. Yeah, so I mean, if you want to think of it, in um, most churches try to be between 85 and 95 decibels. Mm-hmm. When you think about how loud a drum set or a show is, most shows are like, you know, if you go to a cl- small club show, it's like 105 to 120. Yeah, depending on the band and if yeah. they want to bring half stacks and eight tens. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that's... You know, we, we say in my my work that w- the average person thinks is 10 decibels is twice as loud. Yeah. The math doesn't really work out for that, but that's just like perception. Yeah. Um, and so if you think about that, uh, going from an 85 church to 115. Yeah. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, you're going to, you know. It's, 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 it's a different world. Um, was it the old, uh, was it Maxell commercial or whatever? The guy with the recliner <laughs> hair blowing back. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and get some of the blue hairs in the front row. What? <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess that's the moment to kind of mention it too. I mean, my, in my professional world, I'm, uh, I'm an acoustics consultant. I lead a, I lead an office here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we do is I literally live in the noise vibration and room acoustics world all day. So I, design churches i design concert halls i design conference rooms I yeah help design any type of building that really is out there that's my primary focus um where we deal with keeping sound from going between spaces making sure the room sounds good it's not the right it's the right amount of echo that the room's shaped the right way for echoes to work um and so i've done some pretty cool buildings i've gotten to work uh, I did the first three rounds of renovations over at Wrigley Field. So I got to be in the Cubs locker room and I helped design oh, that at one point. <laughs> um, I did one of the studios for Sound by Deluxe. So a lot of movies you watch that was mixed in mm-hmm. a room I designed. Nice. Um, I've done the studios for a few radio stations. So um, we get we get some cool work and like I, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm exposed that... to all that world. So I often think of a lot of these things really technically. So you know, I'll answer it. I'll answer you with like, yeah, it's like 10 decibels different. So it's going to be like this. <laughs> and like, that's just natural to me because I live in that world. Whereas I think a lot of people would be like, oh, it's just, it's just too loud or it's just too quiet or it's muddy. You know, you're just um, too darn loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have very, very little to no knowledge of like acoustics and even like soundproofing. Cause you had mentioned like that's part of it too, is like soundproofing so that sound doesn't leave a room or come into a room. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, and I've been like, you know, just watching shit on YouTube of people building home studios and people like building like even more professional, bigger studios. Um, yeah, so much I, I tend, information out there. I tend to, you know, I love sticking to like the home studio ones because that's kind of more of my wheelhouse. I would love mm-hmm. to like get my own home studio situation better 
some a lot of shit goes into that. They're like, oh, we have these rock wool and whatever. I watched this one with this guy. He had like it was interesting, but he like he's a drummer and he's like, we got a million subscribers. Well, I have just a giant fucking studio, and I'm like, is it all necessary? He's got like I got double layer <laughs> doors. I got fucking rock wool, and then I have like concrete and blah blah blah. I'm like, damn, dude. I sure, a lot of it is, and keep I mean, making music and don't. Yep. <laughs> I there, there's a reality of uh, I. For someone in my position where I'm the professional and I have to write proposals and I have to make bids mm-hmm. and I have to think of that, um, I mean, the first question I usually do is I start with money and mm-hmm. expectations and I try to get those things aligned. And so everyone walks in and says, I want something as good as Abbey Road. And I say, you know, no one's building Abbey Road anymore, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> no one has the budget to build that. And there are crazy ones out there. I mean... um, I really enjoyed, I don't know if you remember the HBO show Sonic Highways when the Foo Fighters were. No, I've heard it's it's been recommended. I got to check it out. So so one of the fun parts is they record a different studio every episode. And so you get a tour of the studio and mm-hmm. what that person's dream was. And so like Steve Albini is one of them. Um, and you get to see he did this whole coupled room, reactive chamber thing with his rooms that mm-hmm. frankly a lot of people don't. And a lot of people don't need, but Steve Albini wanted it for very specific reasons. And he had the budget and he put it in, you know? Yeah. Um, but the average home person is not going to be able to dedicate another volume of a, a room that's equal to the room they're in. So like literally two bedrooms that have a hole connecting the two of them together, not going to happen. Yeah. So, um, we have to sit there and we have to help them manage expectations a lot. And then mm-hmm. it's just a, le- it's, it's levels of compromise till you get to where you're going to go. Because yeah. um, <laughs> no one has the money to really build something that's perfect. Yeah, similar to like, I don't know, um, I guess maybe like building a house, I guess. Um, yeah. I, I, I know very little about that, but my father is a building designer and he's like dealing with that. So people come up with ideas. So even thinking about that, okay, what's expect your realistic expectations of what it's going to cost and having to go through permits and stuff like that. And he's like, okay, so we ended up taking this idea that you had, but we can actually make it a reality by this and whatever. That's mm-hmm. kind of what you guys are doing. Like, I want the biggest, best studio. If it's good enough for the Beatles, it's good enough for me. I'm like, ah, well, listen here, pal. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll use an anecdote. I'm working on this church right now that seats mm-hmm. 1,700. So they, they are a big place. Yeah, that's bigger than a lot of venues in San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then got- House of Blues is like 1,200. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're something like 70 or $80 million, I think, is our construction budget for this. So, I mean, Holy. it's not like there's... Yeah. Dude, when I did Wrigley Field, we had a half a billion dollar budget for that project. Jeez. We yeah. still ran out of money and had to make compromises. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, everything has that. Um, but yeah, this guy's like, we're sitting down there with the pastor the first week and we're like, what do you want? And he's like, oh, we want something we can rent out for concerts. We want to do this. We want to do oh, this. That's the move, yeah. And he's, I think one of the requirements was I want to dr- be able to drive a car on stage. <laughs> and we want there. Elon Musk to drive up in this bitch. <laughs> yeah. Well, and so we started with like, all right, so this is what we need to do to get an Escalade in. Yeah. And the the drive a car on stage requirement has not gone away now that we're, I don't know, eight months into designing this thing, 10 months into designing this thing. Uh-huh. Um, it's now a smart car, but he still needs to drive a car onto stage. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's just... It's the way like, things I, go. I still don't get why, but we're we're gonna do it. Smaller <laughs> car, but it's still like yeah. He's got. And this is gonna be for like one sermon, but you know, you know it's it gonna be a hell of a sermon. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but the things you don't realize, like, 
it's like one of those funny things where it's like, all right, well, then the stage needs to take it. Okay, well, then all the doors need to align. And now, well, now we need to rearrange the hallways. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's that downstream effects that design professionals need to think about. That's yeah. that's really where we bring it in. Because, I mean, if you if you walk in and you're like, hey, the best room is a reverb time of one and a half seconds. It's not, but let's use that as an anecdote. Mm-hmm. Um, any clown can go on Google and say, how do I create a one and a half second reverberation time? And find mm-hmm. the formulas for doing it. That 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 side of the world's not that hard. Um, now you might not do that. You might do it. You you may, um, but it's the it's the intricacies and making it all work and making it all tie together. That's where that's yeah, where we spend most <laughs> of our time and effort. It's the not coming up with the idea, but it's actually implementing it and making it happen. Yeah, <laughs> it's, there's a huge difference between the being I'm the idea person and being the uh, I'm the doing it person. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Nice. That's really that's really cool. But I mean, I don't know. I I do see a huge difference in. I like how I whistled there. Um, <laughs> I do see a big difference, at least in a different scale of like recording studios. I mean, obviously on YouTube, you can be inundated with like, look at how fancy this is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even just uh, of studios that I know of and um, friends. Uh, we have a buddy who runs uh, Double Time Studios here. Not that you would know what that is. Um, but there, he does a lot of like legit shit here. Uh, he does. He, He's done Pierce the Veil. He's done like, you know, earlier Blink-22 albums. He's like, uh, you know, he's done stuff in this room and he's not super concerned with like, oh, like how it's the room is shaped or whatever. He's like, I just need to get this job done. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I'm like the room, like listening room. I'm like, I think of just watching even just like, okay, talk about him all the time. But I do watch one of the few like channels that I watch all the time is uh, Fluff. On uh, Riff Spears and Gear, he talks about his like I got my acoustic and it controlling the like the bit dampening and like my cloud and stuff like that. The, this guy is running a professional studio. He doesn't have any of that. Yeah, he's like, he's well, like no, and- I have my big speakers here, and then I have my smaller eight inch speakers here. No, and I can no, switch between them. <laughs> no shade against Fluff. The acoustic uh-huh. panels he uses, uh-huh. they were a company that started up about three, four, five years ago, and yeah. just gave everybody free stuff. Okay, I've got, yeah. I, I've got one of those panels sitting in my basement right now. Nice. Uh, <laughs> they they look legit, get, though. They just sent it to me um, mm-hmm. to get me to start using them. It's mm-hmm. it's a legit product. I'm just saying, like, I, I looked at, I remember watching his uh, his channel for the first time. I went, oh, cool. He's using those. It's the first yeah. time I've seen them installed anywhere. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I was, like, looking at, like, bass traps and, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 cloud in the top and the, these, like, make sure they're properly placed. And our my buddy Jeff... I mean, he's been doing this since like the '80s, and he's like, "No, I don't give a shit about that." Well, <laughs> he's it, like, "I want it to sound good." And he's like, "If I need to check, I have a pair of uh, my Sony's here, and we can look at <laughs> <in> that." <laughs> well, if he's comfortable, you know, um, mixing in that room, yeah, he's comfortable mixing in that room. Yeah, I mean that—that's a big part of it. Is just. I don't want to say the room doesn't the matter. The the room matters a lot, especially yeah. when maybe if you're used to it, you know. Yeah, or or when I'm working with like one of these radio station groups, mm-hmm. um, like when so when I was working with Hubbard Radio, um, they have four radio stations in Chicago, and they all yeah. record out of the same place, and then they have their edit booths, right? Okay, yeah. Um, so all those edit booths need to be the same so that they're interchangeable. So yeah. you don't get good mixes from one of the edit booths, and you get bad mixes from the other one. So mm-hmm. I mean, those are the kind of challenges that we run into. But I also tell you, those, those edit booths are pretty simple. They're not mm-hmm. that crazy of the elaborate designs, but high profile studios need that for two reasons. Um, one, 
they do want to be the absolute best and they have to have a perfectly tuned room without any anomalies or any quirks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you want to go that way, you need to do some of that stuff. You need to do those couple chambers. You need to do the, the, the crazy bass traps. You need to do that stuff. And also you're not going to be only recording like punk bands. You need to be, (laughs) be able to record orchestras or, you know, a piano. You need to be able to do like, you know, a singer songwriter, kind of everything. You don't want to be like, I'm this type of studio. I get that. Yeah. For most rock bands, the only the only instrument the the room actually matters for is your drums. Exactly. Yeah. Um, most of the time, you throw your four by twelve in the uh, in the vocal booth and stick a mic on it. Yep. <laughs> you know? And you're you're fine. And even yeah. if you you're just gonna close mic that thing anyways and pick like a speaker, it might be the best one. Who knows? And then you just kind of rip it and go. Yeah. And then in the mix, you're not gonna notice that much. But I was even thinking, and there's another studio that somebody. Um, it was a lot of hype and buildup and everything around it. And the guy is, you know, he uh, is a DJ for a local radio station here. And he also like runs a studio uh, and then even runs out of that a rehearsal space and stuff like that. He's kind of like, I'm spinning so many plates. Cool mm-hmm. to be involved in music. And that's what his like job is. But he's like, oh, talked about like the studio that we're building has these acoustics on like the ceiling is like almost like a circus tent kind of spinning thing because acoustics and vibrations and stuff like that. And I'm like, that looks impressive. And then I've heard recordings out of it. Like, this sounds like shit. <laughs> because I think partially it's like he doesn't have any like the good, like he kind of threw any engineer in there that he could. So he has one guy who's like, I've never heard of this person, but I guess he's now the house engineer. And then like they have very, very little uh, gear wise. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, cool. You have, you know, not that that's the biggest thing, but I'm like, okay, there you have like, really nice room but maybe like less equipment and not the best engineer there i'm like man that's a big (laughs) yeah well so let me uh let me point you to the other i I mentioned there were two reasons the other reason (laughs) is in the 80s and and there was a period of time of how can we record at the best studio and how do you demonstrate that you're the best studio is you have the fanciest stuff Mm -hmm. and so um it was an arms race uh, for a period of time there in development of creating the craziest or the greatest thing um, for for what these studios are. Um, yeah. It's the same thing with like, no one's going to buy a Lamborghini with cloth seats. It needs to yeah. be the craziest type of leather ever, even though it adds another 10% to the price of the car. That's already ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, totally. I think that's really cool because I know, like I said, like I know kind of nothing about that and... To me, I'm like, the music that I do, it doesn't really call for any of that. And so when I he- see all these like crazy studios, and I'm like, that is so sick, and these rooms that are really tuned for that type of stuff, mm-hmm. what I am doing on my own scale in my own bedroom home studio, it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> I, I have like one wall that is like kind of super bare, and I know that's not a good thing because my monitors are kind of up against that wall. It just mm-hmm. out of space-wise, this is a bedroom end yeah, you can put your monitors up against the wall, by the way. Really? I thought it was like, okay, the base, like, I don't know. You're not supposed to do that because it builds yeah, that up. Yeah, if, but if you're going to put a quarter-inch panel or a half-inch panel behind your speaker, they're not dealing with the base that much anyway. So Yeah, and then there are base traps. I've seen people who do that in home studios. Yeah. How much of that matters, I guess, on a smaller scale for like a bedroom? Like what would, what would be an upgrade that somebody could do to their home, like little either spare bedroom studio in a garage, whatever they have? What could they look to first? Say they have the DAW, they kind of know what they're doing a little bit. They're going to learn. And they have the monitors, all that shit. What could they do as far as sound? Because I know that's a big deal. 
So I know a lot of people love to go to Guitar Center and buy the the one by one cubes of Oralex, mm-hmm. um, which Oralex works for what it is. Um, and if you're going to buy fo- foam, absolutely buy Oralex because it's the one that doesn't light on fire. Uh, oh, jeez. Versus, Keep that in mind. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so that, that's my first thing is everyone who's like, oh, I can just put packing foam up. I'm like, you keep that away from any flammable source ever because that's how Great White happened. That's how... Oh, fucking A. Remember that? When that yeah, whole nightclub yeah, burned yeah, down? That was a, oh, the, Jesus. The sound treatment lit on fire. That's terrible. And because you're dealing with literal gasoline products being turned into foams. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's part of the reason why a lot of acoustic panels are so dang expensive when you go legit is... Yeah fire rating, safety, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't deal with a lot of life safety stuff in my engineering discipline, but that is one of them of Mm -hmm. I'm I'm really careful. And I, I don't, I don't let the cheap products slip through on projects because that thing lights on fire. I'm in trouble. Yeah. And the thing is you can speak to it and justify it. It's not just like upsell to do this, the sales. (laughs) We have laws and building codes. I mean, (laughs) I get I get to rely on that. It's not really me being the staple, but I'm the enforcement side of it. Like, you can't put flammable surfaces up. Period. Yeah, not on my beat. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, that's that's what a lot of the the DIY home crowd is doing. Mm-hmm. Um. I on most of my projects, I find the most affordable thing tends to be a fabric wrapped, um, uh, like fiberglass, tends yeah. to be the most effective thing. Uh, you can get fire treatments for said fabric, um, mm-hmm. or you can buy fire treated fabric from certain companies that, um, they need to be acoustically transparent fabrics. So, um, anecdotally, if you hold it up, if you hold a sample up to your face and you can breathe through it, i.e. you blow, you stick your hand four inches away from yourself and you can feel that air being blown through it. It's generally okay. Um, okay. That's yeah. an anecdote for you that you'll see yeah. <laughs> people like me dealing with. Um, yeah, we do going to you know Joanne's fabrics and just started doing that. <laughs> yeah, now is not the season world. to go breathing on things. By the way, <laughs> just throwing it out there, uh, you'll get kicked out real fucking yeah. quick. Yeah, and then the other thing to think about is like how thick of this material are you using? So, um, sound is a wave, and mm-hmm. all our frequencies have different wavelengths, and those wavelengths then correspond to how do they react with other surfaces. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that to say, thicker panels, more bass, more bass absorption. Gotcha. And so when you see those bass straps, what they are is they're a layer of acoustic paneling with a cavity behind them mm-hmm. to get a longer wavelength affected by it. Uh, okay. Yeah. I've been seeing that and I'm like, that takes up a big chunk of the corner. Yeah. And they always put them in the corners because it's an easy place. Well, and it's an easy place to get depth from without messing up the rest of the room. Um, and two, there's these things called room modes, which we're uh-huh. not going to go that deep, uh, but okay. it's dealing with room modes. Yeah. That's, cause I was, is it like, I mean, I just, what people say, and this is, I'm just regurgitating what I've seen on like YouTube. It's like, that's mm-hmm. where base frequencies build up is in the corners or is that wrong? <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> okay. I'm just like, I, I really only have like moved my speakers and care about like mixing from just sitting in front of my computer standpoint. I don't think mm-hmm. about ever the rest of the room um i did i have carpet in my bedroom so i'm like i feel like that helps a little bit with reflections i'm really more considered like considering more of doing like videos Mm -hmm. because i'm like okay i'm trying to get just the video into you know the camera or whatever and then maybe do a little bit of editing that way Mm -hmm. i don't want to go into like a whole thing of trying to noise gate and whatever (laughs) 
And so, yeah, like I mean, that, I'm like, for you, uh, let, let me put it this way. Uh, mm-hmm. The room matters more and more the farther the mic gets away from your face. Gotcha. Is, is that a fair way to think of it? Uh, just the, the room doesn't matter that much when you and I are talking on SM7s that are an inch away from our mouths. Yeah, when we're, when we're here and especially like yeah. as far as that goes. But I think of like, I don't know, video and if I'm like mm-hmm. doing something and there's a dump truck going by or whatever, I'm like, if that's going to ruin a take. And I'm just trying to think of like... Is it, is it Chords of Orion, the guy who always wears a headset that's like right there in him, right there in his mouth? He's wearing like mm. the Britney Spears mic. <laughs> I know I've seen a couple of people. I know, okay. uh, fuck, I can't, can't remember. There's a guy who does a lot of stuff. Uh, I'm going to describe him and do a terrible job at it. Let's just move on. <laughs> I think it's in, in the blues or something like that. I know there's, there's a guy who I don't follow all too much, but I think I did. I was going a lot, following mm-hmm. him a lot because he was doing a lot of demos with a fractal XFX. And I was like, yeah. oh, let's see how he demos that and makes a difference in it. And yeah. people don't care. That was my biggest concern. I'm like, if I use a fractal, are people going to bitch? It's not really, yeah, but if you use, uh, can you buy every amp and demo the pedal through that one amp once and then I'll do a timestamp? No. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm yeah. just like, uh, he does it with a fractal at times. I'm like, he, nobody cares. So I'm just going to do it. And I just won't even mention what I use. <laughs> yeah. I mean, most of us just care about the pedal. Mm-hmm. So, so going back to that, uh, if you're close miking everything, mm-hmm. the room doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, it really does. And so it you're you're talking about diminishing returns at that point. Um, this is why I said earlier, like really in modern rock music, the the drums are the only room that really or the only instrument that really needs a room. Yeah, and that's because you do room mics and overheads and things like that. And then the other reality is, for ninety percent of what we're doing and at our skill level, we're probably not going to beat the MIDI triggers and samples that are out there and make it sound better. But yeah, that's a that's a discussion for a separate time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it really is that whole like relationship of, are you actually trying to mic the room or not? Because a lot of the times we're just micing the instrument and calling it a day. And so what we really need to deal with is, all right, do we have a quiet environment to record in mm-hmm. that doesn't have horrendous acoustics that are just going to overtake and dominate? And so a lot of the times, yeah. I think a lot of us would rather just have a perfectly dead room and you just throw in some fake reverb because it's so available these days and call it a day yeah and that's usually easier because for editing purposes and changing it in the in the you know i guess in the long run you're like mm-hmm. you know what i don't i need less reverb than i what i had originally you can only take away so much when you actually mm-hmm. mic up like say an amp like that's like i don't know six feet away yeah i had yeah. somebody who's saying like the best way to mic up you know uh, mesa amps i'm like specifically for some reason mesa amps is to have the you know microphone you know 15 feet away bro i'm like who the hell has that much space <laughs> and why would you do it like that and i'm like okay i'm like you know we're playing punk rock right <laughs> yeah well and here's the other fun thing is a lot of the times what sounds good on a mic is not what sounds good in our ears because totally. we don't yeah. we don't mic things the way we hear them um mm-hmm. so unless you're using a, a binaural head or um like when i when i uh when i commission one of my concert halls i'll actually We'll actually have musicians come in for a day and mm-hmm. play pieces and we'll adjust. We we often have variable acoustics in a lot of the rooms we design now. So you can bring in curtains or you take them out and things like that so that the room yeah. dries up or whatnot. And so we'll, we'll dial in those settings because usually they're on a motorized system. So you can kind of hit a button for a choir, hit a button for a jazz band, hit a band button for a rock concert. Um, That's really cool. Dang. It's very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, again, you're, you're, 
we're talking about a project that has the budget to fly me to Calgary for two days to sit and listen to music. I mean, we have yeah, budget. No, that's, that, that's fucking sick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it only happens once every couple of years, but it's, it, they're cool days when they happen. Um, so when I do that, what I try to do is I try to document how the room sounds. Uh, and so what I do is I actually have this set of microphones I can stick in my ears mm-hmm. um, and I can record. And then if I throw earbuds on, I, I am sitting in that room. Oh, it wow. sounds perfect for me. And I can share them with you. And you might be a little disoriented because our heads are probably different shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, but more or less, it's the same thing. Um, so that's like how I document like how a room really sounds. And so not, no microphone is going to undo or do better how a grand piano on that stage in that room sounds. Yeah. When everyone shuts the heck up and actually sits and watches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a performance. I, yeah. I just even think like on a scale of like, I mean... I'm moving away towards it or moving away from it and moving more towards just IRs and stuff like that. Cause it's easy. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in a bedroom, um, miking amps, stuff like that. I mean, it is a, you know, it's super complicated and art form in itself. And it's like, especially the mics that you use where you mic it. And then I've even had people like, Oh, have you ever tried micing the back of the speaker? I'm like, no, I don't know. I don't want to even deal with that. And then like, anyways, or people that mic the, you know, three mics on a cab and I'm like, isn't there phase issues? I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like, I don't even want to deal, deal with any of that. So I'm like, I'm thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Trying to get capture with microphones, what we hear with our ears. Cause our ears are obviously so much more dynamic than anything else. Mm-hmm. And then you have to play to that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I was like, also, you know, kind of wondering, I'm like, okay, so there's only so much that you can do for, or that you would really even need to do for like a home studio recording or whatever. Or even like on a smaller scale, let's say if people had... Oh, it's getting so easy now. It's ridiculous. If people had like an apartment and they wanted to make that like, oh, I'm going to record my own stuff or record singer-songwriter stuff or, you know, hip-hop, you know, vocals or like even just doing a little bit of acoustic guitar or just mm-hmm. like my podcast or whatever. So there's not a whole lot of stuff that you need, I guess, right? There's not. And um, so we're actually going through this. Again, I, I hate to... I know your audience is a huge group of church people, so they love hearing about what we're doing there. Uh, but... Um, they tune in. Yeah, we get yeah. some. Talk about the world right now. Churches don't get to meet, but they're still trying to have church services. You doing YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're recording in our houses a lot now and uh, trying to figure that out. And so <laughs> we tried to, you know, include all our singers and all our musicians in different ways to actually do like a collab song. And... The reality is most people have a pair of Apple earbuds and a phone. Yes. And that's all they have. And so I, I'd be honest with a lot of people these days, start there. Because mm-hmm. you'd be amazed what the voice notes and the microphone in your phone can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will teach you, hey, if I put my phone here, it sounds like butt. If I put it here, it sounds good. And you can practice good miking techniques and things like that. Because mm-hmm. the position matters the position of the mic matters more than the mic. Uh, yeah. Believe it or not, the the position of the mic with a proper mic matters more than the preamps that you're using. And it matters way more than any of the plugins you're using. And it matters way more than if you're using Pro Tools or Logic or Ableton or Reaper or whatever you want to argue about online. These are the details that don't actually matter that much mm-hmm. is where we tend to focus and, and argue. Um, yeah. Recording good technique at home matters way more than it, it's way more about a, a solid performance right off the bat. Yeah. We'll, we'll clean up all your recording needs, putting your mics in a good spot or creating a situation where you can record well matters yeah. so much more than anything else. And I, I frankly, for most people, I think 
where that really comes down to is noise is the hardest thing for a lot of people recording at home. Like uh, background noise or like actual like noise, like like instrument noise, I guess. Um, well, first off, both. Uh, but I, I'll, answer I'll, yes. <laughs> yeah, the answer is yes to all. Uh, but you know, you just lost the take because the garbage truck is backing up. That's yeah. That's the or you know, my dog you know loves to let me know like, hey, there's a skateboarder that's like uh, down the block. And I'm yep. like, really? Thanks, bro. He's yeah, gone, or though. the crying kid, or the you know, you name it. It mm-hmm. you know. All those things matter a ton, and they're, they're going to ruin your takes, and that's going to make life hard on you. So I think for a lot of people, that matters. And then the other reality is I don't think most people realize how loud their homes are, because mm-hmm. we, we had a long period of time where, like, even recording our podcast, and I was eventually yelled at Diaz, and I was like, dude, get your computer off your desk and put it underneath it, because I can just <laughs> hear it running all the time when I edit the audio. Oh, <laughs> But these are, like, normal sounds that we don't notice when we're not recording them. Mm-hmm. or because we have two ears we technically have this we have two microphones going all the time and it's you know picking up our brain does a lot of echo cancellation and, and, and processing when you think about it um versus you know how a room sounds with one microphone up in the middle of the room and you try to listen back to like a conference call mm-hmm. or um you know your your home demo of your acoustic guitar song or something things like that you're like why is the room so reverberant now in the recording? Whereas I don't notice it when I'm watching TV. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Or yeah, you, you're maybe your body and brain get used to certain things or certain sounds and they kind of cancel that out. Yeah. I guess it was like, even like, I, I don't know. I heard, I don't know how to podcast people talking about like those with us, like super silent rooms or whatever, where it's like anechoic chambers. Exactly. Yeah. Where it's yep. like, oh, you can hear your, your blood pump or whatever. I don't know how, if that's super real, but I'm like, oh, maybe that's a thing that like, oh, we just hear so much noise around us. Like the constant like quiet noise is still like several yep. D like DBs more than well, you would ever think it would be. One of the ones, and I mean, this is another plug for Air Acoustics Engineering out of Toronto, Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of our rooms is a corner hall in downtown Toronto. It is the quietest room in Canada for yeah. performance that... I remember one of my first weeks on state uh, on on staff. I was young enough that I had better hearing than other other people did. Uh, yeah. So I got brought on site to find which light fixtures were making noise. Oh, because that's how quiet that room is. <laughs> oh, that, that that's super funny. Yeah. So and I did, and so then I got the joke that that's even still this is I don't know, ten years later now. People in my company still call me golden ears just to tease me about, like, I found a light fixture that I could hear that no one else did until we got, and we actually put a meter up next to it and Mm -hmm. immeasurably changed because our meter, our microphones are more sensitive than our ears are. Um, And so. (laughs) You're like, I found that light, that light (laughs) just from being on. And we had to change the bulb. That's really what we wound up having to do. Um, Uh, Yeah, that's funny. It's like, this is going to ruin our recordings if we just don't change that light bulb. (laughs) Usually it's the flickering that bothers people. Yeah, but we we were designing a room where if you hold your breath and there's no one in the room, you'll hear your heartbeat. Dang, that's crazy. Yeah. It's scary, it's unnerving, and it's very uncomfortable. Yeah, maybe that's the thing. There's so much noise going on that we're just used to it, you know? (laughs) I'm very used to it now with my tinnitus creeping (laughs) into my 30s. Yeah. But, I mean, we're just kind of going off i wanted to ask i'm like what's uh what's your situation at home with like do you have a little recording setup i know you do stuff with the podcast but are you also recording like stuff uh you had mentioned you're doing stuff for church are you do you have a home setup i have a setup that's getting more elaborate by the day uh 
uh, quarantine, one of the days I just took four hours and I rewired everything. But um, I work from home a lot of days too. So mm-hmm. I, I have a natural inclination to have a good computer set up already. Um, yeah. So I've got a dual monitor set up here. I've got, I modified my desk to allow me to store my Novation keyboard when I'm not playing. It's already set mm-hmm. up. It's there and it's out of the way. Um, I've got two Yamaha HS8 monitors with the sub for Damn, listening nice. and playback. Um, I've got my SM7 always hooked up on this little boom arm thing. Um, it, it, it's a lot of uses. And then, you know, I've got my Kemper and I've got my pedal board out right now, but usually I don't, I try not to use my pedal board just because it's massive and yeah. <laughs> takes up space and my chair bumps into it. Um, and I've got like, I've got six guitars to my left right now on a rack, you know? So it's, it's kind of like your, your hub. You got it going. I, uh, yeah, I, social isolation, I, you know, I like staying home. (laughs) There's a lot of fun toys here. (laughs) I just, yeah, I just miss people and those kind of things. And I like leaving, but, um, you know, I have a very comfortable space to create, do whatever I want here. Um, yeah, you're, you're keeping it going with music and podcasts, obviously like your, your, you know, your nice situation. It's your, your setup kind of lends to that pretty easily. It's like, okay, kind of flick a button and you're, you're off, you know? Yeah. In the same way, like I do, you know, during the day I'm on conference calls and junk and this stuff works for that. Well, I do, you know, screen recording tutorials for my team of like, here's how to use AutoCAD and that kind of junk. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, all this stuff works for a variety of uses. So I have a really nice, flexible, multi-use setup that I can then just pull my MacBook out of my cradle and go off and, and work with it in a coffee shop when I need to get away from it too. So, oh yeah, um, totally. Is uh, your I don't know is like the acoustics of your uh, I don't know the room that you're in. Did you change any of that with soundproofing or even just like <laughs> deadening or is it just like to hell with that? <laughs> uh, so I live in like a hundred twenty year old building and wood building in chicago so i hear what my neighbors are watching on tv and it's okay. oh there you go <laughs> um part of it is um there's only so much that you can do and want to do yeah you know what they're hearing me dude the <laughs> sound doesn't go one way through walls it goes both ways equally so if i can they hear, hear about them, hot hear dogs me. once a week <laughs> <laughs> it's like wow yeah. scott really likes hot dogs <laughs> so i mean yeah i i like my apartment because <laughs> it is a open open concept plan that with totally. like 18 foot ceilings and a lofted area. So it is this big volume of space. So therefore it's, it's actually quite reverberant. Yeah. Um, and I like it cause it's, it's fairly balanced with mm-hmm. the furniture I have in here. So it, if I'm using a condenser mic instead of an SM seven, you'll just hear reverb upon reverb upon reverb yeah. on my mic. And so that's why I use a dynamic mic and it's really close to me and that's how I manage it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just like this SM sevens cause they just look cool. <laughs> I haven't really been able to tell a difference with the po- quality of the podcast since I've been using it, but I'm like, I bought it years ago to for uh, recording for the band, and mm-hmm. then I've just kept it in a box since. I'm like, why don't I bust this thing out? So I've started using it. I'm like, oh, I do like it. And I think you had mentioned it when I was re- recording with you guys. You're like, oh, it's pretty good at like kind of, it's really directional. Like you have to be right up on it, and it sounds good. Oh and yeah. If you're further away, it kind of you know. Some stuff with like I don't know if you have, like say if my dog's like trotting down the hallway or whatever. Yeah, I'm like you won't pick up the little. You know when I'm outside of my computer or outside of my like looking at guitar pedal videos on YouTube, um, I sometimes watch some of the computer building guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them just bought an SM7 and wrote a review where he's like, "I hate this thing. It sucks." Oh, I just I just saw that. Yeah, the, Jay's two cents. 
<laughs> yeah, I think it was uh, somebody in the uh, Tone Control Discord posted it, and everybody's just ripping the guy apart because we're like all into like um, audio and stuff like that. Or the people that know about SM7s, I'm like, so this guy bought a mic just by the looks of it. And I'm like, well, you can't judge a guy for that. And then he just didn't know how to fucking use it. And then da 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 da. And everybody in, in the comments of that video are saying, you're you're so far away. You can't be like you know, you know, you know six inches away from it or like you know you're almost a foot away from the mic of course it's gonna sound like shit and everybody's just beating them up mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a do everything mic as much as everyone likes to pretend it is but it is fantastic for vocals mm-hmm. and throw it on your guitar cap once in a while you'll enjoy that. yeah that's uh that's, i've heard that and people say they use it for hi-hats i believe um the guy who recorded us he's used it for hi-hats before i mean anywhere you use a 58 or a 57 go ahead and use this yeah see i heard that it's like the same thing that's not it's correct, it's right? based on the same pre- uh, premise. Gotcha. I mean, again, not to be like with what I do for a living. I have a very very nice relationship with Shure microphones, uh, where I do things that I have to sign NDAs for. Um, mm-hmm. Nice. But I remember one of their sales rep was like, "Yeah, so we use this part, this part, and this part from the fifty-eight. Mm. <laughs> like same factory, same part. But the reality is, it's not a fifty-eight. Yeah. There's a lot of other stuff happening in the back end and if you don't believe me, plug two two in at the same time. Plug a fifty eight and SM seven into the same console at the same gain setting, and you'll go, "Oh, okay, yeah, they're not the same thing." So yeah, there's clearly <laughs> something else going on. Hell yeah! Well, um, I had like maybe, yeah, I don't know. That, I, th- I think that was kind of the end of my like, questions here. I have, I have one more, I guess, like a random one. Maybe it's like because uh, you you know you're you're at home and you're you know you you get your home recording set up there. Um, what are like, maybe like the top three things that you would like to upgrade your home recording home studio setup? What are the top five things? I guess within, or top three things within reason. That you uh, would not be like, well, I like a whole new house. So that's a uh, $15 million. As <laughs> <laughs> if you want to be a dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> so, so if anyone listens to my podcast, they'll hear Diaz complain that he's tired of me talking about this. Um, right before quarantine happened, I bought a Kemper. Yes. Um, and so that's been a fun exploration of like, all right, how good can I make this thing sound? Yeah. Uh, and then how how practical is it? And it's completely changed a lot of my workflow stuff. So before mm-hmm. I would just I do a simulated amp sim, or I try to mic amps. Those were my two ways I was doing things. And I was like running yeah. my pedal board into into Pro Tools, and then doing all this gobbledygook. And I was dealing with latency and all this. Just it was a pain in the pain in the butt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Kemper has made that life really really easy. Uh-huh. Um, and then what the other thing that that has then done was, oh, I just plug it in. It has great sound. I'm, I'm done. Now the thing I, I started messing with was, okay, well, what does reamping do? And should I do that? And should I record a direct feed? And then I got into some advanced stuff and pro tools about, oh, hey, I can actually play on beat now. Thanks to the wonders of technology that fix how terrible I am at guitar. Oh. Um, <laughs> and so there's things like that. So I started playing around with that because before... Like things like Beat Detective is what I is the Pro Tools version, and I'm sure there's quantized features and other DAWs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you run your guitar through a compressor, overdrive pedal, and a delay pedal before it hits your interface, those yeah. those tools do not work. Yeah. But if you run a direct signal into your guitar into your interface, they work like magic. Yeah. And so, you know, time alignment and all those kind of things, boom, just done. It takes me like 30 seconds. And I can record a really crappy guitar track now and put it together and it works. Um, yeah. So like those workflows have been awesome. So then I went and like did direct boxes and reamp boxes and stuff like that. 
I know the Kemper can do it, but that doesn't work with my pedal board. Yeah. Um, so that's what I've been fixing. And now I'm trying to figure out what else I'm going to do or yeah, really. I, I got to just make some stuff now. I, I just yeah. been trying to learn how to play piano better right now. And, uh, just mm-hmm. actually get some stuff on paper. I think that's the next thing I'm going to really do. Yeah. So you, you can't, uh, I don't know, qualify it to just three things that you would want to like get for your studio, I guess. Uh, as as, like gear wise, I want to replace my five guitar rack with a seven guitar rack, so I can have oh. all the guitars I want right there. But then I'm just going to buy more guitars. Well, so, there's nothing wrong with that. You should get wall hanger guitars. I I rent, so oh yeah, but not, yeah, not, I guess you just get the uh, get the nine guitar rack. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I want to upgrade. Still, I mean, so the Kemper was right at the beginning of the year, right at the beginning of this upgrade cycle. Mm-hmm. All my rewiring, I I just cleaned up. A lot of my wiring are made it a little more permanent because I some company was doing like a crazy deal on XLR cords. Yeah, where I got like four for like thirty bucks or something like that, and so I just like cool. I can leave. I don't have to have temporary setups anymore. I'm just zip tying all this crap together. Have it always um, plugged in. Yeah. Uh, and like uh, you know, I, about once a week I take a drawer and I clean it out. Right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's a it's a cleanliness that'll that'll help you know productivity a lot for sure it's good to purge and so yeah there's just i'm I'm finding things that are cleaner and better set up so and then you know all the free crap that's coming out with recording right now and just getting to use all of it learn how to use it all better that yeah there's nothing from a gear standpoint that's holding me back from creating anything anymore totally yeah i i think i think i'm the same way but i still i still manage to find excuses like to me i'm like i don't have a sub I don't think I need it, but I feel like I would, I'm like, everybody says like, oh, cause I, I use the HS fives mm-hmm. and I'm like, I still hear like, there's a lot of bass in there. Yeah. <laughs> especially if like, you're close to them. I don't know. Maybe I'm like, uh, just more than an arm's length away from my, I don't know, maybe like, I don't know, over three feet away, maybe from my, uh, monitors. And I'm like, that's fine for me. But I hear everybody says like, yeah, you should get a sub. You should get a sub. I'm like, hmm, maybe I should get a sub. <laughs> It depends what you're making. If I mean, if you're if you're mixing guitars, the sub's not going to do anything for you. Yeah, I'm just thinking of like just rock songs and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean that's that's if you think about where a subwoofer is, it's 120 hertz and below, mm-hmm. maybe 160. Depends where you set your settings. Um, yeah, that's your kick drum. Yeah, that's your bass player on a slow mm-hmm. E string. Oh fuck! Who cares about the bass player? No. <laughs> and then I'm thinking of like some of the um I don't know. I was looking at like these amp changers because I'm right now if I'm recording I'm just using one amp which is my 8015, and I'm having that mm. run through uh with the two notes uh what cab M and then also just a captor just to, like a load box, mm-hmm. and then just to like so I can run it silent. But I'm like oh I have my 8030 head and my Rockerverb 50 head that are actually basically being used as an amp stand for the other <laughs> for the 8015. I'm like, oh, it'd be nice to have like I've seen those amp switchers. Oh my, those are they're kind of expensive, but I'm like, it'd be so sick just to push a button. I'm like, oh, I have one of my outs is a live cab and the other is you know just a load box of two notes just to go to the IR loader or whatever. I'm like, man, I don't need it, <laughs> but I would want it. So, just, mm-hmm. you know, word of caution on those things. Yeah. Going from silent to screaming 4x12 on a cranked amp. Yeah. If, if your head's in the wrong spot when you're doing that, you might perforate an eardrum. You're pushing the wrong button. You're like, oh, yeah. you, yep, you just fucked everything up. Dipshit. Yeah. yeah. So, 
you know, you if you have an attenuator with that, so you can at least like, you know, crank down the cab, so you're not like just going to get shocked out of existence with it. Yeah, that captor has been pretty good. I don't know. I've been just thinking of like, yeah, I should get this and this and this and help me like record more. There's nothing really. Like I was like, maybe just like for me, I would like to have a sub just to feel like I'm Mm -hmm. if I'm missing anything. But for me, something that would be really sick that would actually help my workflow is a new chair. Yep. I am using a chair that I uh, got just before it hit the dumpster at my work. I mm. picked it up and threw it in my back of my truck. So it's a, like an old chair from an office that we they were clearing out at my work. So I'm like, they're like, yeah, we don't need to have this anymore. I'm like, I will take it. So this is what I've been using. So I'm like, a hand-me-down chair, I think a nice one would be would be a, an upgrade. I don't know. I'm like, yes. I keep looking at like the gamer chairs are fun looking, but I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm too tall for them. Um, uh, so they don't work. Those headrests wind up being right in the square, like back of my shoulders. Uh, oh, yeah, so they're not good. <laughs> it's not um, the small of my back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause you're tall as fuck. <laughs> yeah. A, a weird flex I have is, uh, a few years ago, I just, I watched Craigslist a lot back in, mm-hmm. back in the heyday of Craigslist. I got a Herman Miller chair yes, for like, like nothing. That's a flex right there. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, I've, uh, stuff has broken. Mm-hmm. and the great thing is herman miller parts are a- abundant and so like i've just replaced parts oh yeah that's so, like the dude who had me who had it before me had like the grossest armrests on it when i bought it yeah 50 bucks later i got new leather armrests hell yeah nobody's weird sweat all over it you know mm-hmm. so that's what i did yeah that's you're, you're stunting <laughs> but again hell yeah I, and i'm i'm really glad now that i sit in this chair for 15 hours a day for the rest of eternity yeah <laughs> i'm doing it for work i'm doing it for yeah play yeah nice hell yeah well um yeah thanks for talking this ended up being a, a longer one but you know i always like it so before we head on out of here scott thank you so much yep and then um before you know we say bye to you where can people check you out where's the best place to find out more about uh the effects loop and scott hamilton so if you want a, a i've been using instagram a lot more now so scott allen hamilton a-l-l-a-n on uh on Instagram, you can see what I'm cooking most nights. Exactly, yeah, that's a that's a it's a good play by play. I I I've I've really embraced Instagram stories for how I'm cooking, and I've get a lot of feedback from it. I I know multiple single friends that are learning to cook from my Instagram. <laughs> I uh, like the one that you did of macaroni and cheese with hot dogs. I'm like, <laughs> play by play of that. That was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was homemade gnocchi this week, but <laughs> it's been mac and cheese and hot dogs one night. Um, yeah, yeah. So that that's me. Um, you can find the Effects Loop podcast on literally every platform. I think that does podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it's not on something, please let us know because I need to change some setting. Um, we have a YouTube channel. Doesn't have a dedicated IR, uh, URL yet, so just Effects Loop podcast. It's there. Uh, we haven't done a ton of content there. We've been trying to find our voice that's not just trying to do Nam videos like everyone does, or, or just demos. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when I do a demo, it tends to be in our Facebook group. I, yeah. I'll just live stream me messing with it. Mm-hmm. So, like, I remember I, I think I was the first person to get a Pelican Binford, and I got mm-hmm. the thing self oscillating and going out of control. And Leon <laughs> just calls me. He's like, "That's awesome." And then it's just. <laughs> it's done um yeah so you know we also have our facebook group where we post a lot of nonsense and yeah that's that's most of what i've got out there in the world um my professional world you know Mm -hmm. air acoustics 
com. Yeah. A E R C O U S T I C S. Please don't ask me for free advice. Yeah, there you go. We'll, we'll, we'll charge you for that one. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hell yeah. Thank you so much, Scott. This was a lot of fun. Well, uh, yeah. So we'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Take care, guys.